welcome to the Coaching Uncovered podcast, the, co- the podcast where coaches come to talk about coaching. And my name is Brent Davis, and I'm the host of the podcast. And today I have Blake Dowd with me today. Thanks for coming in, Blake. Thanks, Brent. I'm uh, actually pretty excited to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me on. I have been chasing guys like you for a while now, so I think it's good to have some of the younger Australian coaches that are doing really well out there coming and chat about how they go about their things. Um, I've had some of the older the older guys on from Australia, but I'm keen to have some of you young guns come in and, and chat about what you do in the coaching field. Thank you. So tell me about yourself. If someone asked you to talk about yourself in general to start off with, how would you go about explaining that? Um, I'm a bit of a joker. Uh, I don't take things too seriously. Um, um, if like, I genuinely am a, a very nice person when you come talk to me. Um, people think when they come for a golf lesson, it's going to be very serious. I'll give you very good information, but at the same time, I like to have a bit of fun when I'm coaching. That's always a good thing, I think. I think, <laughs> I think sometimes we take it way too seriously. It is still a sport. It is still a game. So certainly creating a fun space is, is certainly a pretty, pretty cool idea. Yeah, definitely. So talk me through how you got started in golf and why you've gone down the path that you've gone down. Yeah, I got started like – I was thinking about this the other day and I forgot that I played golf very, very young. Um, I didn't actually take it all too seriously. I played every sport under the sun, golf, cricket, uh, everything. Like, And uh, it, that helps tennis, anything with uh, – a ball and a, something I was very good at. And I played when I was very young. We did this nine hole, very short course, little junior thing every Saturday or Sunday. I can't remember what day it was. And you'd play, you'd win a golf ball, that kind of thing. That's where I started. And then didn't play for a very long time. I actually got into, I was pretty much a professional BMXer. Um, I did that. I did that during my uh, early years and got some damage from that for the to the old body and um, didn't play golf I, uh, up until I was about 17. And then my brother, who worked at a golf course and was a very good golfer when he grew up, uh, asked me to come out. And he goes, um, I left, he left his wallet at home. He goes, bring the wallet in. Um, we, we just got chatting, as brothers do, talking a bit of crap. And um, he goes, have a hit at some golf balls on the range. No cost. He worked there, just have a hit. And I was instantly addicted. Uh, I quit BMX pretty much that day and just went full full head at golf. And I was crap like anyone else when I started. I, <laughs> but I enjoyed the challenge. That was the biggest thing. Everything I've been pretty good at, and I really enjoyed the challenge of golf, that it's really difficult, <laughs> as we all know. Okay. There's a, there's a couple of things there that I want to dive into. Tell me about riding bikes. How did you get into riding riding bikes? Yeah, so we lived across from a bush, um, and we used to dig these big dirt jumps and – um, we've, we've all been struck with the injury stick, um, from doing it, but, uh, it was a, it was a bunch of fun. The actual thrill of pushing yourself mentally to do certain things over jumps. And, um, it teaches you hard work as well. Like we had to, we had to build these things. We had to learn tricks and you had to put time to get better in, um, better out of it as well. <laughs> but you look at what they're doing now these days There's some people, like you see that Logan Martin who won the. The God, he is a freak. He is so good at what he does. And they're, they're seriously underpaid, them guys, because they're, they're really good at their sport. You, you just see some of the, those, the stuff that these guys pull off. What gets into their head and how would you 
bring yourself to actually try some of those tricks because you're going to hurt yourself before you get it right. Yeah, and that's where the mental side of it, I believe, is like the most underrated thing with the the bike riding is that you have to commit. Um, if you go up to it willy nilly, oh, I don't know, I don't know, you'll um you'll hurt yourself. But if you commit to it and you have um belief in yourself, kind of thing, you you can get. And you have to learn by crashing, obviously, like golf. You learn by hitting bad shots. Um, hopefully nothing too bad. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does coaching fit into riding bikes? Is there a such thing as a, as a coach in, in that field? It's funny you say that. I used to help a lot of people when uh, learning because I used to be like one of the best in New South Wales and I used to te- like show people how I do tricks all the time and I was very technically minded about where my foot position was, where everything like that was. So I knew from early on I, I – um, I had some sort of idea about what the body should do um, and was always just aware of it a little bit. Okay. And, that, um, and it translated over, I think, to as well. Yeah. Well, I'm curious that you said that you found sports generally fairly easy as you were, as you were playing them as a kid, but you found golf hard. Why do you think that was? I think the standard for golf is set very high. Uh, a par and a par three, three shots. If you look at it outside looking in, you're like, wow, like three shots and that's only a par. It's 160, 100, you know what I mean? It's that far away and that's a par. And um, yeah, that, that's that's where I think the standard, and then you coming in to a sport where uh, you hit a ball or to run when cricket, every like no matter what, but to, to put a par on the scorecard, it's a very difficult thing to do. And then, as you progress and get better, it gets easier and easier. So as a player, were you comparing yourself to Parv straight away, were you, early yeah, that, on? I think a lot of people would do that. Um, I think that's where golf would de- definitely be better off by moving the tees forward so they can get a taste of what the professionals would do. And if they want to do it from where they play, move them back further and further and further. But um, to get people into the game because, look, making a quadruple bogey isn't fun. <laughs> True. No matter what level you're at, I don't. I, even if you're beginning, you're like, oh, it's way far from the mark. So if you can move the tees forward in that, I think we'd get more people into golf. Yeah, I, 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 that's that's a really cool idea. I've certainly stressed myself with kids getting them shooting pars sooner. Um, certainly helps them keep going and keeps them keen on playing. As you said, shooting seven, eight, nines, and tens is not fun whatsoever. So, <laughs> getting them off short tees, you know, setting up specific junior tees for the kids starting out is certainly uh, a perfect way to get them in, into into golf and get them keen. I'd even put the adults off there. Yes, I think I think <laughs> again we, we you certainly see it so often the the. The golfers out there are certainly playing off courses that are way too long. Mm. Get them forward, get them forward, get them forward. Definitely. Makes a huge difference. So when was the shift towards becoming a golf pro, so to speak? So you obviously you've you've started off in riding bikes. You've gone down that um, starting off in golf type of path. When was the kind of switch towards I could actually do this for a job? Yeah, I, I wanted to pursue the playing side of it. So very early on, even though I was a pretty average golfer, I, I really thought, hey, if I work hard enough at this, I believe I could work harder than everyone else. And that was always my motto. I'd, I'd be pretty crazy with the practice hours that I'd put in. Um, I'd always be at the golf course working hard. And I got fairly good very quickly because of that. And I sought a lot of help from coaches and that. And that led me more to the coaching path after everything else happened. So I put a lot of practice and actually got tendonitis pretty bad. Um, I got to like plus two, plus three, somewhere around there. Like it doesn't really matter. It's a number. 
And we we got to there, and I got tendonitis and golfing elbow and tennis elbow, and I had to actually quit golf. I quit for two years, um, and that was my that was my main goal was to be a bit playing professional. And then coming back to golf, my brother again got me back. I got, I'm very thankful for him. Uh, he's guided me in a lot in my life, and taught, like he's been very very helpful. Um, and he goes, just come out and have a game socially, see if your arm can handle it. And then we, we go out, we play again. I get nine holes and my arms give me a little bit of crap. And I'm like, okay, what if I just look up some technique stuff? I'm just going to look it up myself, just go out there, see what's out there. Um, and then you get amazed with how much information is out there. Um, and I, I believe like that's one of the things you've got to constantly keep upgrading yourself is there is constant new patterns or new things. And I found... Um, I was doing certain things in my golf swing that were leading to injury. Um, but when you learn as well, there's no safe swing in golf. There's always some, you're going to get injured eventually if you do it enough. And a little bit, it might've been, I was over practicing <laughs> and uh, yeah, that's how I got into the golf coaching side of it. Okay. So tell me about some of the coaching you had when you first started out. So you said you were getting coached when you were, when you were playing. So who were, some of the coaches that helped you out and what was that coaching like? Uh, my first ever golf lesson was from Dave E. Cobb at Richmond. And, okay. Uh, Cobby was a very good player and I only had one lesson with him and I'm, I'm happy I had that first lesson with him because uh, I've got a lot of time for Cobby. He's a strange strange individual as we all know, but he's a, he's a lovely person. Um, and had a lesson with him, didn't get much after that. And then George Sirhan worked at the golf course that I worked and I got a few lessons off George Sirhan. And the the big issue I had was I, I was always searching for more and more and more. So I'd go see other coaches and other philosophies and it was always really like struck that how could these coaching philosophies be so different? <laughs> like some guy believes this, another guy believes that. And it's like, isn't there, there's got to be some sort of baseline here that it, like th- there has to be something, but um, I don't hold this against any of them. They're all, they're all trying to help you. And it's just that whatever their availability to information or technology, stuff like that. During that time that I got lessons, I look back and I go, they're only doing the best they can kind of thing. So I went, I went 10 coaches, I think I counted. I went to, which is a bad thing to anyone out there. Don't like I was searching and I'm working hard and you, you're basically resetting back to zero every time you go to a new coach. Um, and you've got to, you've got to buy into them and, and trust the process that it takes time to get better. Don't do what I didn't jump around to, to everyone because it doesn't end very well too. So do you think, that you searching for that that perfect golf swing was would, was a problem would, for you as a player. Yes, and there's no um, unicorns out there. There's one of the guys who I uh, I high hold high value to as one of the best coaches is uh, Scott Cowks. Yeah. I've done all these certifications and I, I do phone calls with him and talk to him, and I love that the fact that he goes, "There's no unicorns. Um, stop searching for it." basically work harder, take your stats, dive into the game at a, at a higher level that way than trying to find some magic swing, go get a lesson for half an hour of someone and expect that guy to fix your whole golf game. Uh, that, that, that kind of mindset is that's not, you're not going to get very far with that. 
Now, Scott, if you are tuning in, you are on my uh, short list to come on the podcast, so you'll be getting an email from me at some stage to come on and have a have a chat with me. So certainly interested in getting Scott in for a chat. He's a, he's an awesome bloke. Yes. Um, so you said you, you you got hurt from that early, in those early days. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was from the coaching you got, or just from the f- fact that you were grinding so many golf balls at the time? Um, grinding so many golf balls, I think there was a lot of rotation through the impact area in regards to, um, using my forearms to square the club face up quite a lot. Um, and I don't blame anyone. Um, I, you could do any golf swing and get injured. The more you learn, there's no safe golf swing. There's just safer golf swings. True. Um, and, um, no, I don't blame. Like I, yeah, I practice a lot. But even when I got injured the time that it happened, I stopped practicing straight away because it did not feel right. And at that time, I was only hit a bucket a day. So I, I was known to hit a lot more buckets than that. Um, but at that time, I was focusing on short game more, and then one day on the range just happened. Okay. okay. So, yeah, and I just think it's, it is and it is a strange sport because there is only those five ball flight balls that, you have to get right to make the ball go straight. Yep. Um, but then there's obviously every coach has their ideas on how to teach those five ball flight laws. So that's where those those changes come in. So it, it can certainly be a challenging space, especially when you talk about my own golf, talking 20, 30 years ago, um, we didn't have access to all this coaching technology. So it was hard to to get what was actually happening in the, in the actual swing. So certainly a challenging space. So coaching was where you ended up. Obviously, we all had that idea of being a, a superstar tool player when we, yeah, we when all we, did. <laughs> when, um, but it, it's a uh, certainly a hard path to come down. But talk me through the shift towards coaching. How did you make that shift, and what was the kind of the 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 space that you went to with the player and said, "Nah, this isn't good enough. I'm going to have to go down this coaching space." Yeah, so it was the second time around after the injury, I started looking into it and I actually really enjoy looking at it. Um, a lot of people think when they ask me, oh, uh, I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to do some study. And they're like, what do you even study? And it's just, it's a never ending. There's so much information out there and it's, and it's, and it's a lot of fun if you enjoy it. Um, then you got the application side of that. But when I made the shift, I used to, uh, Toby Williams is a very good player. Um, from my area, I was good friends with him. He actually was in the Australian team getting lessons in that. And he would tell me he hated his golf swing. And I would look at his golf swing going like, he's Jesus. Like this guy has <laughs> hits it longer than anyone. Like he got, he's cracked 200 ball speed, this guy. And he's, he's like 80 kilos max. Wow. Wow. He, and like when I looked at his golf swing, I thought, not nah, good, good, good. Then he sat me down. He goes, look at this, look at that. And here, and he just totally flipped my, and he opened my eyes up a little bit and he would feed me some, some guys to have a look at like the Dana Dowquist, the, uh, the George Gankus kind of thing, just to open your eyes up a bit that there are some other philosophies out there. And I, I, I loved it. I love looking at goal swings now and going, uh, taking a little bit of this and a little bit of that and adding it and helping that person achieve what they want. Um, coaching, I can't see myself doing anything else, to be honest. Like, I love it. Um, to the, the long-term stuff is the most rewarding thing. When you get some players, like I've worked with people from 32 to down to like four now. Um, I love seeing their progression and seeing the consistent work that they put in and get better. That, that, that's, that's cool as well. So 
when you said that you were as a as a player you were struggling to find the perfect swing do you think mm. that's helped you as a coach that 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 type of personality trait yeah definitely i work very i like to work very hard at this stuff um i, I dedicate a lot of time to understanding it and so that the, the player doesn't have to um i like giving i pretend the player who comes into me is basically me okay what does this guy want to know um i like explaining the how and the why to give people a good understanding and I simplify it. I don't want to make it technical. Like it's, it's just you should be able to simplify your message um, to make it seem like that you're not really speaking another language. And you simplify it, um, get to the point, and then set some target goals of what they've got to achieve and where they need to get better. I, I personally think that's where a lot of coaches get um, caught up with the with the with the coaching science. They they see all the science out there and think, well, I don't need to know that because my I've got a a uh, twenty handicap golfer standing in front of me, and I've always said that the coach needs to understand it, but you need to filter that through to that player standing on your coaching tee. So I think you've explained that yourself quite well, which is which is cool. Yeah, and I always get um, compliments from people who get a lesson they go oh, you you explain that really really well and i just over time you start to feel like that's kind of your strength in a way is just digesting something that is difficult as golf is and making it digestible awesome awesome mm. so you've gone through the three-year program with the australian pga to get your certification in australia how did you find that uh, challenging um anyone who thinks it's a cakewalk is uh until they do it it's tough. It's it's, and I think people like you, Brent, that help me out. I give you a few phone calls along the way, <laughs> um, and just a challenge. Like I, I did a little bit differently. Um, I was very lucky that the first year that I started it, it was the you can play and get it all done in the first year. Um, so I actually didn't study any golf swing stuff in the first year, apart from what you get given during the program. I I put all my time and energy to get the playing done, because I knew moving on as soon as that was done, I actually stopped practicing. Okay. And a lot of a lot of people didn't don't like hearing that, and I kind of triggered a few people within the program because they knew that I was a decent player. Not I wasn't the best of the best or anything, but I could play quite well and I could win these training matches. But I stopped practicing because I put all my spare time into studying, and I believe that's what got me to where I've gotten so fast with the head teaching professional at Limwood, and I'm very happy to be there. Um, is the fact that I would do the assignments, and then as soon as I finished the assignments, I would do study about the golf swing and i was a bit um bit obsessed with it which you have to be and going through the program that's probably made it a little bit harder was actually putting the extra effort in on top of the already demands of being in the traineeship so you have to do 38 hours minimum that's probably changed now I, there's, there's a few changes i don't know the ins and outs of but th when i did it 38 hours we're in there, um, and then I would say it's about five to ten hours a week of assignments would be a rough estimation. If you let that slip one week, you have to catch that up in the next week. So you've got to teach it. I think it's a good thing for young kids to go through because it will teach them hard work, time management. Um, it's you're not going to be able to practice like this on tour where you if you worked if you play on the tour you got to learn how to time manage and use your time effectively so i think it's a good for the young guys a great way to show them do you really love golf do you want to be a part of the industry it, it is a good thing um and it, it sucks when you see certain people 
don't make it through, but then in the end, you just got to work a bit harder uh, and you'll get through it. You just, you have to time manage yourself well. Nah. And and you probably found that some of the subject areas weren't always the most enjoyable because obviously you're pretty keen on that coaching side of things, but you have to do all the, the extra subject areas as well. So yes. that, was, that was probably challenging too. Yeah, it was fun. Like I, there was nothing really that there that you weren't, you weren't going to use and you, you think as you do it, you think the opposite. Um, but when you come out of it, you go, wow, if I actually did that properly, that would make my job a lot easier at work and I, I'd be able to apply it at work. I'm a very, I'm very lucky to go through um, with a few people. Cody Harper, he at Riverside Oaks, he taught me how to work hard. Probably one of the, he's up there as one of the hardest workers I've worked for. Um, up in Queensland, that was an experience. It was um, up at Meadowbrook Golf Club. And then we had Richmond. I'm very thankful to work for Rob Kennedy. Um, he honestly is probably one of the best uh, businessmen I've worked for. He's a hard worker and nothing – he really – anything he asks you to do, you know he will he will do it. There's no questions asked. So you don't mind doing extra to help out. So how important is it to you personally to have those people that you um, aspire to become out there? Oh, like that's why I always I, I reach out a lot to professionals and ask them questions because um, yeah, the finding a mentor within golf coaching space within Sydney, um, it's it's a bit difficult and look, COVID doesn't make it easy as well. So you, you try and find resources out there. But if in terms of tradeeship, really find someone you want to work under um, that you can learn off because it's – Apart from what you get in the traineeship, everything else you learn off is your professional. And if you have a good one, I've had a good one. I'm not going to say too much about the other one. Um, there is a massive difference. And you, like the stuff that I learned in my last year working at Richmond, um, it was very valuable, very valuable. No, that's, that's cool. So straight out of your three years into coaching, I'm assuming, you didn't go and try and play? No, no, no. The, the goal was the coach. And we, when you start the program, they give you, they get everyone into the room. We had about 30 people. Um, and they ask you, um, Brad, I believe, um, what's Brad's last name? Uh, from New South Wales? Yeah. He, I think he's Brad Wall. Coach. Yeah, Brad Wall. He comes in and he, he goes, How many want to be a playing professional? And nearly the whole everyone room goes up. <laughs> straight away. And I'm like looking around, I'm like, oh, Okay. I thought, Okay. Um, how many want to work in a pro shop? And a couple would go up. Um, I had Brad Brad Ward in mind. He he put his up for um, management. He wanted to do uh, general manager, and then golf coaching. And there was two, me and another gentleman, and the other gentleman sort of didn't make it through the program. So, it's it, it is a niche market for a good golf coach, or not a good one, but just a golf coach that's interested in golf coaching. Yeah. So, so you've gone straight into full time coaching. Yeah. So I. I started at Richmond. They were averaging about six lessons a week or so. And then I did a bit of part-time work and then my lessons started to go a bit crazy. We, I'd be getting like up to 30 lessons a week. And then that's when I made the decision. Uh, I was still working part-time. Then I got a phone call from Limwood. And the reason, and this is a message to all the young coaches out there, the reason I got the job at Limwood was they told me because of my social media. That is 100% the reason I got the job. And look, I'm not the best at social media. I do I do what I do. Um, there's plenty of ways to make it better. Um, and I always very critical on myself and ways to make it better. But that's why I got the job. And I, my girlfriend, I have to, Amy, 
say a big thank you because she pushed i i'm not a very outgoing guy i don't like doing the social media stuff but i know that it's part of the job um and she pushed me to do it and it's paid off big time so like i'm very thankful for her to push me in that direction okay so talk me through your strategies behind your social so you obviously got a presence on facebook uh and Instagram would probably be your two biggest ones that I've, that I've seen out there. Yeah, Talk me through your TikTok. strategies behind those. I got TikTok as well. as that. My girlfriend made me do that one, <laughs> but I don't do any <laughs> dancing or anything like that, no. I'm but, too old for TikTok. I haven't got involved with TikTok at uh, all. <laughs> it's like the pokey machine version of uh, social media, <laughs> just flashing lights all the time. Um, but with, with my so- strategy, I just like to show the changes I can make in certain people, and they – a lot of people see the changes and go, wow, I do that wrong. Hey, maybe this guy can fix me. Um, I, I don't, like, a few people I've known have botted, um, and, and it's just a waste of time. Like, even if you don't have a large number of followers, what I noticed during the traineeship, because I started during a traineeship and that ruffled a few feathers within the other. Well, tra- it did, yeah, seriously? Yeah, it, do- it does, because people like the tall poppy syndrome kind of thing, you know what I mean? Like. Look, yeah, and it's I, I, yeah, there was a little bit of pushback, but it's fine. You're going to get it, and um, what uh, like, but they would comment, "Oh, I've seen you do this. I've seen you do that." So even if they don't like the video, don't go off the likes and how many followers you got. It's just getting your page in front of people, and it's kind of like a refreshment. Hey, I haven't seen Blake in a while. Maybe I'll book a lesson in, even yeah. if that person doesn't like it. You, you, it's it's just awareness. You need to. It's free advertising. You've got to do it. So how do you cope with the people in the comments that say, you changed the wrong thing there or his swing hasn't changed much or it still looks rubbish? How do you deal with that? That comes up on TikTok and like, uh, it's was it the uh, Kruger effect? Don Kruger? Well, I forget the effect. The less you know, the more confident you are. And, that, and 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 honestly, like the more that you study, the more that you like going into lesson, you get a little bit more nervous because you're like, man, there's a lot of things like, and you, it's there's a lot of broad information you need to know, and just you, you're self critical on yourself, so your confidence is low, even though people might see on the exterior that your confidence is high, but it's just because it's so you know that it's a difficult thing is the goal swing. Okay, so it's I don't, oh, dealing dealing with them. Sorry, yeah, um, yeah. I don't, oh, man. I don't care. Um, trolls, will, trolls will troll. You know, like it's it, it is what it is. Um, it's funny. It is, and it is. This as you, and you said, there's so many people out there that are so called experts, and they're generally high handicap golfers that don't know what they're talking about. Oh, yes, yeah. And I find it. Then you go like. I posted this once one, the one I'm going to go off. It was like a half an hour lesson. And this guy's goal swing changed by a good four feet. Like it was from really bad to really good within half an hour. And the guy goes something funny. Like I wouldn't have changed that. And it was like the, like you're like, wow, like like, (laughs) you got half an hour with someone. You don't understand that there is a process you need to go through. You have to talk to them about their problems and stuff. But yeah, it was funny. Scary stuff. Um, So is it something that you do every day or do you set aside a certain amount of time to schedule posts or how do you work that into your into your week? So that that's where my girlfriend gets up me a little bit. She'd love me to schedule stuff more, but um it is tough because if you if you do what I do, you get up a little bit earlier to study and then you go to work 
And then when you finish work, you upload your videos to Coach Now, and then you do your social media. Uh, I think when people get into the golf game, uh, the golf coaching side of it, they don't realize how much time actually goes into it. Um, it's it's people see me, they see six or six to eight lessons in a day, and they go, "Oh, he's working a six to eight hour day," and that's closer to a ten or eleven hour day or more. Yeah, true, true. It's so, um, you said you're obviously keen on further education, and if yes. you go to your site, there is a big long pile of certifications that you've done, which I think <laughs> yeah. is really good, by the way. I, I don't think it's a bad thing. Talk me through some of the training that, that you've done to expand your skills. Yeah, so a lot of them I, I don't even post on there uh, as well. So, however, <laughs> it's just I I enjoy that side of it. So. Every time, it's like joining the dots. Um, the more information you get and you can go, well, I'm, that's why that guy wanted to do this. And you can start seeing the bigger picture. Um, it's uh, James Ridyard and his uh, certification, which one of my favorite certifications. Um, he goes, you start seeing it like the matrix. You just see the, the whole thing. You don't see just the, the little things you start going, well, that influences that. Then that will get influenced. Um, so you need to, yeah. Uh, it's So my favorite one's, if I was someone, it, it's hard because my favorite ones are probably the harder ones, um, which if you don't do the lesser ones, you won't understand the harder ones. But uh, Scott, anything with Scott Cowick's stuff, it's very applicable. Uh, once you understand what he talks about, it's all scientific-based. Um, that's what I really like. I don't like opinions. I like facts. Um, because yeah, So uh, Scott Cowick's, James Ridyard's uh, Wedge Matrix was very in-depth, which I like. Um, I did. I did a lot of like. Who else did I have done? I've done too many. Well, the, the the TrackMan University is a great one for which they do on the program anyway. Uh, Capto, great putting tool. Man, I'm gonna forces emotion was a, definitely another good one too. Yeah, with this, with the with this with that stuff. Okay, so how do you use that stuff in your coaching? So have you got all the tools that you've done the certifications in, or is, you, is it something that you do the the training in but don't purchase the tool, so to speak? Yeah, I did that once where I, I went to a training without the tools, the body track one with uh, Clint Rice. Um, and now we've got a body track at work. I've got to actually start using that more because I wanted the force plates. But um, you definitely should put some time and energy by yourself with a tool and a device before you impl implement it into a lesson, definitely, because you just sit there confusing the student and, and yourself sometimes. So put some time and energy. But I um I actually bought a TrackMan. I was a bit nutty when I bought it. Um. I bought it in my second year of the traineeship when I started coaching. $40,000 piece of equipment? That's yeah. I, uh, <laughs> if, Brooke, you're listening, I'm sorry for being so annoying. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, 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 looking back, it was crazy, but it got me to where I am now. Um, and I looked at it like this. I got it secondhand. Won't go into price, but we got it secondhand. And I looked. I went, if, if I get this, I've got the money sitting there. Because I'll save, I don't know what I was saving up for, but I got the money sitting there. I'll pay it, and if I don't use it and whatever, I can just sell it for what I bought it. Because TrackMan is the top, or top in terms of advertising and that, um, very like they're very well known. So it should bring you in lessons, and that's that's what made me get the purchase of a TrackMan first. Then I got the Capto second. I got an addiction to trading aids, to be honest. Um, and that's, um, you'll buy one, you won't use it, but you'll get that one guy that comes in and it suits down to a T and it helps them get the understanding of what movement they're trying to get. Interesting comment you made about 
and I'm guilty of this as well as buying a a training tool and then trying to apply it straight away with with the student. And again, coming across as being quite stupid because you don't know how to use it properly and you don't get the data that you want out of it. So I found it pretty cool that you said you apply it to yourself first before you bring it out on the coaching tee. Talk me through that process. Yeah, so you get an understanding like where like where do you place it? What does it act like? What joints does it actually influence? What is it going to make the club do? This kind of stuff. And you go, well, if someone comes into a problem, let's say open club face, the hanger, perfect. You make sure their grip sorted, then you get them learning to actually uh, close the grip with the axial rotation, gamma rotation, which is twisting of the shaft, and that will get their wrist into flexion on the downs. There's simple like, stuff like that. Um, you can you can learn a lot and you can see if it's good or no good. There might be some training aids you thought on paper were good that just don't work very well or it doesn't give the, the student long-term. Um, as soon as you take the training off, can they perform the movement without the training aid? So, Stuff like that. So yeah. hopefully those ones that you spend a fortune on aren't the ones that don't work. Yeah, there's always a risk. Um, there is, and if they if they cost more, usually they work. Um, but if they, there's always the ones that cost about 100, 150 that you go could be a hit or miss, but you got to risk it sometimes. <laughs> Is there a training tool that your go to one for all your students that you tend to use all, all the time? That's a good one. Um, go to my go to, I always start with beginners to if they can hit ball and ground. That's always where you start. If, if they can't hit ball and ground, if you change their technique, man, what's the point? Because they can't put the club on the back of the ball. So my go-to would actually be, for a pure beginner, would be a towel. Just a towel drill. Simple. Hit the ball, hit the ground, miss the towel. Learn to hit a descending blow on the golf ball, and you're off to a good start. So that towel drill, alignment sticks, um, a tripod. You use a tripod in every lesson. Um, you, need the, you need the camera to be still. If you like drawing lines, I'm actually someone that doesn't draw any lines at all. I don't know why I never did it. I never believed in it. It's more of a movement than a position kind of thing. Um, so there, the TrackMan is very about, like I use TrackMan with my better players. If it's a beginner, it's no real like, you can see visually the mechanics that's going on. If uh, you don't need to see the numbers, you know that this person's coming 50 degrees out the end or whatever it might be. Um so yeah, the tripod would be definitely up there. I put tripod number one. And it is it is something that's really important to have consistent angles when you're filming stuff. And I'm I'm firstly, especially starting out, I was guilty of hand holding cameras, and you just you just can't do it properly. So putting on a tripod these days and having set angles. So if you're going to shoot target line or feet line or hand line or whatever, but be consistent with how you shoot stuff so you can compare stuff. Yes, definitely. And my my own personal coaching as well has gone down that path that you're speaking about. I used to be very big on drawing lines, but it's called a golf swing for a reason. It is a golf swing as opposed to a like a checkpoint type of type of setup. So I think that's the the overall picture of the swing is so much more important than hitting certain key spots, I think. Which is really cool. Um, okay, the towel drill. You said you use the towel drill a lot to get impact good, so they're hitting the golf ball first. How far back have you set the towel for the worst player you've had early on? Oh, it's, it, it, I think it depends on the length of the club. So if you've got a four iron, your attack angle is going to be less, so then you have to move the ball further away from the towel. Um, it, it's just to give people 
the awareness that this is what professionals are good at. I think uh, on one of Scott Cowick's presentations, they do it within a centimeter. And the underlying thing that will happen is you will line the club face up very consistently if you have a consistent low point. If your low point shifting, the time that the face is closing, actually that can get affected as well. So you actually working on that will help your face control. So it's just a very like very subtle drill. I even get them in the bunker. I draw a line in the sand so they can see where they're breaking the sand and make sure it's on the, the, the line closer to the target. Um, and people, you will get better really quick. And the, the other thing I give people is a, a problem solving, right? I give them the, can they problem solve what actually went wrong? And you would laugh on the tee box. When you ask someone what went wrong, when they've just topped the ball, you'll get a laundry list of, <laughs> man, lifting my head. Oh, man, my tempo. Oh, man, I was so Swung quick. Too on fast. My, oh, man. And you're just like, no, you hit the top of the golf ball. That's the answer. And they, they look at you funny and goes, you've got to simplify the answer because it's a, it's a, a movement with every joint in the body. So you're not, it's, it's not going to be, you can't identify one little piece. And the reason I do that, and this is a good one for listeners, when you do that on the golf course, you've hit a bad shot. If you can't tell me what actually went wrong when you hit it and you try and fix it, that's when a player goes from playing really good on the front nine to playing really wipe, 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 wipe. And they try and fix their golf swing in, instead of going, okay, I hit that fat. I'm going to try and hit a little bit further forward on the next one. I'm going to not hit it out of the heel. I'm going to hit it out of the middle of the club. You need to you need to know these things, or you'll be in for a long day. I think that's that's a, a, a powerful tool, and it's something that I don't think coaches do often enough. Um, as you said, when they hit it on on the top, if you just tell them to try and hit down further on the golf ball with the second swing, it'll get better. It, it'll improve. How much how much pushback do you get from some, some students sometimes about doing that type of coaching as opposed to the, that student that comes on the tee and says, just tell me what to do? Oh, I, I, I recently had someone, and look, I've been coaching solid three years now, um, and I've only had three people that were uncoachable, like three people where they just do not believe in you. And I don't know if it's an age thing, me being younger, that they don't quite think you know as much as that an old bloke who's been playing golf for 60 years. Um, it's just, it's a, you got to get people to buy in. And I think that's a skill within itself. I've only had three people who really made me go, wow, I'd pay not to coach that person. Um, <laughs> and, and that's a very rare. That's how good my job is. Like I, th- that rarely ever happens. And when it happens, you got to be able to step up and go, mate, what's the problem here? Why, why aren't you buying into this? And uh, if you can just call them out on it, that's the best way to go. Go. Just go, what are we doing here? Do you want your money back? That's fine. I, I know that I I kind of back what I do because I've put the time and energy into it. So if you don't want it, I'm happy to give you money back. And I, I would – my my own personal experience in that, I've, I've only ever had one person like that that just – they just don't buy into it whatsoever. He was the kind of guy that had his half hour coaching every week, played on a Sunday, but he didn't practice other than his half an hour that he came out to me. Um, and he just said, you need to tell me what to do. I'm paying you for you to fix my goal swing. And like, there's got to be some time to the student doing some work as well. And he just didn't want to get that going at all. He just wanted you tell me this is what I have to do and I'll do it. And that just – in a, in a, from a long-term point of view, that just won't work. Yep. And that's – um, it's it's a double-edged sword coaching. You get a guy that comes in and he doesn't buy in 
And if he doesn't have his 40-point round after his lesson, he's going to tell that people in the group that you're a bad coach. Then they go say, oh, man, I've heard bad things about him. And it's a double-edged sword. And then you get the other guy on the other hand who you give a lesson to, you fix his problem. He will tell literally everybody how good you are. And it's it's just a double-edged sword. So you've got to, like Scott's told me in the future, you've got to eventually only take multiple lesson stuff to get people to buy in because one lesson isn't going to fix the issue. It can, it can improve. Um, but if you change your mechanics, you're going to learn to hit the golf ball again. It's a new movement. So you've got to learn to hit from the same things. You're going to learn it all over again. So it's going to take some time. And that's what you need to buy in when early on <laughs> into lesson pack. It is, is true. So just on that quickly, how do you set up your pricing structure? Are you there is a heap of coaches going down that subscription type setup where you're paying per month for coaching? Is that something you're doing, or are you just do still doing oh, coaching sessions, or still doing coaching sessions at the moment? So at Limwood, we're just doing the the simple pricing hour and a half an hour. I did do the monthly coaching, so that was more of uh, the players who wanted more coaching, and I would I would do like two group sessions a week they'd get one lesson a month and you do each area of the game and a lot of people like that but i could only do that through summer um during winter it's just people could not finish work early enough and that so the numbers would drop off um so that'd be something i'll start up again soon daylight saving coming up i certainly think that is where where coaching is going i think full-time coaches um because it is you subscribe i don't know if you're the same but i've got about 25 subscriptions coming out of my bank account every month yep. and you just you subscribe to stuff these days so i think it's a it's a step forward for golf coaching yeah i'm gonna i've got definitely gonna find a better way to do that so that'll be my next one of the next things i learned <laughs> So from my own personal perspective from, from golf coaching, 3D swing stuff is probably where the biggest change is coming now in coaching. Um, I think we're starting to have systems that are certainly much more accessible and portable to be able to use on the on the coaching tee as opposed to going into a scientific lab. Is that something that you've gone down yourself with your, with your coaching? Yeah, I've got 4D and I use that only on myself because of the – I'll get a few problem student swings and I'll get uh, certain joints that I want to have a look at and see what, what's actually influencing the things, but that cannot be done in a one hour lesson. Um, I, I love it. I, um, my next, one of my next purchases f- first will be the 3d force plates. And then I want to get the 3d system. Um, I actually traveled down to the Australian and Josh Ryan flesh would let, let me on there and had a little bit of a muck around one day it was fun to be left alone with gears. That was, that was fun. Um, it is pretty cool. And so, yeah, that's something I think in the future, I've seen these new ones, um, Terry Rose rolls. Um, they've got this one that can, you send your video of your swing. They will actually take, make a 3d avatar and you can get all the body angles of your actual golf swing. Um, so I think that that could be the next thing, uh, before the mark, like markerless 3d would be definitely up there. Yeah. I've, I've done something similar with Xenolink. Um, so basically they use you shoot it from two angles so you shoot the swing from behind and you shoot the swing from a 45 degree angle and you put a 3d cube into the shot first and you film that and then you shoot the player's swing in that same space and they use the cube to as the reference for the 3d and then again you get a report back um with some with some training to improve the swing so it is it's a it's a, it's a pretty cool space to be involved do you get much inquiries from your students about 3d access yet 
Um, not as much. No, not not really. I I think it's more for the instructor. I really do to get a like to get a really good understanding. Um, Mark Bull, if you're into the, he's great. He's honestly one of the smartest people's in that in that area. I love his um three D golf academy online. His his information is up there as some of the best. So, yep. Yeah, yeah, no, it is cool, and there, there is there's so many smart people in that space. Even in Australia, Ryan Lumsden is awesome to chat to. Uh, Michael Knox. I talk to Michael Knox a lot, so he's a lesser known one. He lives locally, so uh, when I did the Doctor Quan course, I brought him from uh, from America in when I was a trainee, which was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> that was a third year trainee, and I brought him over for a certification, certification, which was a whirlwind experience learning how to deal with that. Um, and I met Michael through that and he's been a contact and he's actually been a friend ever since we've been talking a lot and he'll answer some questions and he, I love talking to him because he's not very golf. Um, he doesn't have any bias. So he'll be like, no, this is what this joint will do. This is what this is. And he'll give you an answer where he's not influenced by the golf swing, which I like. And again, that, that, that that is probably the, 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 the hardest part is Coaches are generally influenced by what they've learned 20 years ago about what they think is happening in the golf swing, whereas those 3D guys are more so, well, no, this is what that joint will actually do. Yep. And this is what it is doing as opposed to this is what we think it's doing. And you need to have a step back sometimes. And am I looking at this through a lens that is biased? Do I have a bias here or is it is this factual? Um, again, I'll bring Scott Cowix up. That's why I like his stuff because he's got like five patterns he goes through. It's not just the one swing suits all. He has all that kind of – you've got to be able to adapt to each student. Again, Scott, you're on my list. You're going to have to, yeah. you have to come in and have a chat to me really, really soon. So it, it keeps coming up in conversations, which is yeah. which is really cool. So no, that's that's awesome. Um, okay, so just changing tactics slightly. Obviously, we're in a COVID space at the moment and you're in <laughs> lockdown, same as I am at the moment up in up in Sydney because they're doing some fun things up there at the moment, some pretty awful yeah, case numbers coming out. Yeah, popping up thousand pretty easy now. Yeah, which is, which is a, a scary thought. It's doesn't seem to be going down at all, so that's that's a challenging space. Um, how are you keeping contact with your clients in in this in this in these times? So social media is a big one. They'll they'll send messages like when this LGA thing goes. I think I'm going to be super busy because I get a lot of messages from clients out of the area. Wait, oh, I can't wait to get a lesson. Can't wait to to come back and and get lessons. But I keep uh, Coach Now is a great app. Um, there are a few other apps I've seen. There's a few new ones coming out, uh, but it's a cloud-based software where you can upload their golf swings. They can go back. And I love uh, when they did the Andrew Rice um, thing. One thing I learned from that was take a video of what they need to work on because the wor- sometimes the worst thing that happens is they go away with a totally wrong perception of what you're talking about. Just the way they hear it, they could hear it totally different. Then you come in to you're working the pro shop. They come in, hey Blake, I'm working on this. I'm like, oh no, don't tell anyone that you're working on that because it's like the complete backflip of what you should actually be working on. Um, so taking a video of what you're working on during a lesson, a video just describing everything you're working on gets the student better quicker because they can go work on exactly what you want to work on. If they're disciplined enough, they will make the changes. So that's, that software is great coach. Now it's a, it's a must have. 
Yeah, it is. It is cool, and I certainly did enjoy Andrew's stuff as well, where he actually just shot that video on on the spot with with the student, and it just makes so much sense because, as you said, they interpret it their own way. They take it away and they do something completely off off the charts because they've picked up on a certain term that you use once throughout that whole hour lesson, and they take that away as the as the key point as opposed to what you've um, all the stuff you've explained over the whole hour. Yeah, and like I'm just reading a book at the moment about psychology, and they, they I think you forget. And I, this is funny because I'm forgetting about the quote. Um, <laughs> uh, two thirds of the information that you learn, you'll forget. So two thirds of that lesson, that person's going to forget what you're talking about. And there's probably a lot of valuable stuff that you could just make sure that they get in their head. Yeah, yeah. So, and again, it, it is so it's so simple these days. So you've got coach now. You've got you got skillist. I oh, use golf coach app there's so many different ones out there now that, that generally keep those communication lines open which is and it's, and it's part of your job it kind of sucks how much it's it is a part of your job how much you have to be on your phone um because i kind of don't enjoy the phone as much as people uh, I'd, I'd rather just throw it away and not use it but being a part of your job you have to be constantly on your phone Makes sense. Makes sense. Um, Blake, thank you so much for coming in today. I really appreciate your time. Um, I think we've covered off on most things, but we can you open up another um, two-hour podcast that we could do at some stage. So we certainly might get you back on the show at some stage in the future. Thanks, but, Brent. But I certainly appreciate your time. But there's a few questions I like to ask everyone, so I might throw those at you to kind of kind of finish off today. So if someone's starting out in the golf coaching world, mm-hmm. what tips do you have f- f- for those people? Don't unload all your information on your first student. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guilty, I'm, guilty. I'm, man, I was trash at coaching at the start. I'll be, I'll be straight up. Um, but it, it is a learned skill. Everything in life is a learned skill. You will get better. Keep persisting. Um, simplify the problems at the start. Don't make them too complicated. And then put the hard work in. There is a lot of information out there. It can seem daunting, um, but find you've got to be able to sift through the the crap. You got to you got to be able to identify what is useful, what is not useful, very quickly. So just put work in. I think uh, I think that's a real key point to, to 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 get on. I think when you first start out, you've got all this information in your head, and you just like to put it out there to everybody that says on that coaching team. And I was guilty early on of doing too much every lesson, and it's a it's a real skill to be able to say to work on a couple of things, and they're the only two things that have to be done. And you think sometimes if if someone's paying for a half hour coaching session or an hour coaching session that you need to give them more information than what they actually need. Um, So it's it's a challenging space. That goes through my head every time. It's like you want to give them value for money, but then you detriment the golf for that. <laughs> yeah, and true, and I, and I think you you have to understand as a coach that the value you're giving that student is the improvement in their game, as opposed to the information that you're giving them. And um, I'm sure you've heard me speak about this at training schools and stuff. But I spent the first couple of years teaching grip stance and setup, teaching teaching the, those simplistic simplistic things to every player that came onto my coaching team, and they improved. So just by sometimes getting those simple things right um, and a half-decent takeaway, you can get a pretty good swing going for most players. Yeah, definitely. Really cool. Okay, so advice for golfers out there. What tips do you have for that 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 golfer out there that's trying to improve their game? Uh, the problem-solving. I think it's it's overlooked. I'll, just, I'll give you a scenario. The ball goes to the right. 
So that player might go, oh, open club face, but he just hit it out of the heel. So all of a sudden, player shuts club face, hits it out of the middle, snap hooks into crap. Like, it's just, you. if you stuff that little process, and I like to go ball ground first, middle club face second, because that influences where the ball goes, and it's, it's a two for one, it's distance and direction, then number three would be club face. So you need to do club face after you send a strike. Then it's path, because path to me doesn't influence the ball as much as them other variables. So if you work through the first three, you've probably hit the ball on the green or on the fairway. So you, you, you're, you're ahead of the game. So to have a good, solid problem solving, use the feedback from the strike to understand what's going on. Don't think about your goal swing too much. So that coming from, from the coach, so that obviously having a coach that can explain what causes those shots for that particular player is important as well. Yes. Yeah, so having that having that right coach. Oh, that's 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 really cool. I like that. Is there anything that you would change in your your journey so far and the path you've taken to get to where you are now? And I get it's I, a, it's, a, it's a weird question, but is there anything that you would change? Uh, I think about this a lot because I, I actually I'm very grateful to be at Limwood uh, with the support from uh, everyone there. Like it, I'm so lucky to be there. So I look back and go, nah, I wouldn't change anything. I'm actually golf coach um so golf professional golf actually sounds better from afar to when you you it, it's a tough job like stressing out playing for money and it's very difficult in australia as it is to make it as a golf player um to a professional it's very difficult so i i love my job so i'm not going to change anything so yeah okay no that's 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 a, a completely fair answer I have no no problem with that whatsoever now you can answer this question one way or both ways depending on what you feel like doing but where do you see yourself or coaching in general in five years ten years time five years hopefully it's, it's a weird one hopefully it's still at Limwood. i'm we're growing the academy side of it I want to see the juniors develop and we've got a scholarship program there that I want to make to one of the elite scholarship programs in New South Wales. So hopefully still, still there. If I continue to do what I do, I will be there. Um, I love living out in that area. So um, away from the city and not a big city boy. Um, so I, I, five years of Linwood coaching, furthering my education, uh, maybe writing some certifications of my own to okay. further my, to further my knowledge within the golf space. That's a pretty cool idea. So what certification would you like to write for yourself? Would it be a like a golf swing technique type certification or a, just a, 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 a coaching science certification? What type of certification would you write? Like from doing so many of them, I want one that's very applicable um, and even one that I might choose an area that just might make me study that area more. Like I, I after doing so many putting certifications, I think there could be one, a, a better one. Um, my, one of my favorites again was the Scott Cowick's Gareth Raflowski one. Um, it was crazy how much things you can just influence with setup and make people putt better. Um, so I think putting would be a great one to start. And it's a little bit like it, the end goal is easier just to strike a putt. Um, so it would be good to start there and then work your way up into furthering other, other parts of the game, just to make my understanding better as well as make other people's understanding better. Okay, well, if you if you're going to uh, build that type of certification, I'll put my hand up to come in because that's one of my weakest areas with coaching is short game and putting. So I'll certainly put my hand up to come and do that certification with you when you when you get that done. 
Um, now, this this one could take a while because obviously you've done so much of this education yourself. But yep. where are your sources of education coming from? Where are your your go to places apart from Scott Cows because he's copped plenty of plugs so far? This yeah, episode. okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I like to. I started with all the online academy stuff. So I would. And this sounds really bad, and this is only for my use. So it's not a. Um, I'm not giving it to anyone else. I would straight like pull their information off and then keep it on hard drive for myself. So I could re go over it over and over again to fully understand what they do. So um, a great one for the start for beginner coaches would be the Trent. What's his name? Golf smart Academy. Okay. Tyler, Tyler, what's his name? But he's, he's a really good golf coach and he's got a million drills on there if you can't find a drill for your student, you'd be struggling not to. There's a lot of good information on there. And if you look hard enough, there is information. Um, start with the the non-biased people, the Sasha McKenzie's, Phil Cheatham, um, all these Dr. Kwan stuff. Start there and get a basic understanding of what they're trying to achieve. And you'll find other coaches that all the other coaches at a very high level have done all the same certifications they all have a basic understanding of the same principles and they use that in the golf swing. So, Okay. Now what's your next next path that you're going to go down with your own education? I want to do aim point. That's been the hard one to get a hold of um, because of COVID, obviously. Um, I, wanted, I, I believe you'll start seeing more players doing it because they're getting rid of the percentages on slopes as well. So it's going to be more mainstream. And I... I, I've done it. I've, I can do Aimpoint Express, and it's basically cheating. Um, it, it, <laughs> it, if you don't think it works, you're crazy. Um, it's you like, and it, the confidence that I get over a putt after I do it, you f- you free up. You go bang, bang, bang. That's where I'm aiming. Just focus on the speed. Done. And I I've gone out and putted my best rounds doing Aimpoint. The only reason I don't use it all the time is because I'm not practicing. You have to calibrate all the percentages all the time. So I, I, I don't want to do it injustice by trying to use it on the golf course without practicing it. Yeah, so that, I'd love to do that one. Yeah, no, I'm certainly keen to do Aimpoint Express. I've done the, the first Aimpoint where you had the chart. Um, yep. And again, a really, really cool tool, but quite time-consuming because you had to pull the chart out and do all that kind of stuff. But obviously Aimpoint Express is a heap quicker but I haven't had the chance to do that certification yet. So, um, yeah, probably heading down the same path as you with regards to that. Um, again, Blake, thank you so much for coming in today. Where can people find you? We'll put some links to all your socials in the in the, in the the show notes, but just want to give them a plug while you're on the show. Yep, it's Blake Dow Golf, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, um, and then I've got my websites as well, just Blake Dow Golf. Um, you'll find that on, on, on Google. So. That's, that's basically all, all I've got. I'll be redoing my website soon. So, um, and just, yeah, they're, they're the main ones that you'll find me active on. Certainly worth checking out and encourage everyone to go in there and, and give a follow to all the stuff that's coming out. So doing a great job. So again, Blake, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Hopefully we get out of this COVID mess sooner rather than later. Get some vaccinations into people's arms so we can start to move forward out of this so cheers mate appreciate your time i appreciate you for having me on and everything you did with for all the trainees during the uh, the system the uh, training system i really do appreciate it and i appreciate you having me on